Attention Pokemon players, you are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. On today's episode, Triple P has a pre-release. Chuck can't get enough of Pennsylvania. Jake chops down a bush. And we are joined by a fellow podcaster and local Pokemon player. Chuck, how are we doing today, my friend? I am doing great. And it is so nice to be sitting right next to you, <laughs> right? Because I can't get enough of Pennsylvania. You can't get enough. And this is actually <laughs> the first time we've done a, a podcast where we were together in the same room at the same time. So yeah. it's kind of kind of odd. It was a little bit of scrambling because uh, I couldn't find my earphone splitters. <laughs> so I had to go and find some old <laughs> old speakers so we could talk to our guest uh, and then kind of do a couple tests so it wasn't like interfering or anything with our microphone. Uh, but it's been a, it has been a crazy day, but how have you been, my friend? I, I've been good. I'm I'm joining you in your studio because I have no studio at the moment. Right. Um, I was in town uh, for the weekend and I had to record and I don't have any place to record. So NPA. So uh, right. I left the mobile kit in uh, in Fremont where I'm where I've been staying. And now I just had to join you in, in your in your house. And no, this I'm, is fun. I'm happy to have you. It's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting and fun, uh, a little bit different from the norm. Um, and this will be our first time for a while that we're not doing live just because of the random uh, shenanigans going on. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I, this week, other than, you know, just practicing for the upcoming regionals, which we'll, we will talk about a little bit later in the podcast. Um, yesterday was a busy day. My son had hockey and soccer and then has hockey again today. Um, and then going, going home and doing some yard work. And my wife has been bugging me for almost a year now to cut down this big bush in the front of our house. (laughs) And I finally got my ax out there that, uh, (laughs) that I somehow got for a penny best penny I've ever spent in my life and just chopped that sucker down. It took forever, but my, and my back was hurting a little bit after the fact, but we got there, got the, got the big bush down, got the root system out. Uh, so, you know, uh, one, one bush down uh, mission accomplished. Uh, Jake one bush zero. Mm-hmm. So right. Plus one to the ax for a penny. So. Axe for a penny. Yeah, I don't know how that <laughs> how happened. You, I don't know how you managed that either, but that's a good deal on an ax. Yeah. I, bu- I went to Home Depot a little while ago and um, bought the ax and I think it was, it was like $20 or whatnot or somewhere in that range. I'm not sure. And, you know, I check out like normal, not trying to do any shenanigans. And then I'm walking out and I look at my receipt and I'm like, hmm, they really charged me a penny. I'm like, I'm not turning back at this point. So I'm like, best <laughs> penny ever. But, uh, we are not alone. I don't have much else to report on my front. Right. I haven't done much this week. So let's let's uh, introduce our other person. Let, we'll let him actually talk. And yeah, not for stay sure. Quiet so for so, so sorry for making you, <laughs> you wait there, Nate. Uh, so we do have a local uh, Pokemon player with us. Uh, he also does his own podcast as well. And that is Nate Emerson. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem. No, I couldn't. I couldn't wait to get you on. We've been talking for a couple of weeks now, um, trying, you know, just trying to figure out what's the best time frame with, you know, all these regionals. But I figured what better time than the calm between the storms between Indianapolis and, and Jersey. So yep. um, welcome to the cast. Thanks. Um, so for those who don't know who you are, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Pokemon journey thus far. So I love playing Pokemon growing up. First Game Boy game I ever bought was Pokemon Blue. So love playing that. Never really actually played the card game, kind of collected it as a kid. Um, and then when I was in college, my roommate actually got me into playing a little bit. That was like the XY era. 
right. fell off for a little bit. And then uh, last February, I moved out to Pittsburgh to work at my friend's card shop because I've been helping them with online stuff all the time. And they didn't have any Pokemon presence at all. So I just kind of dove in headfirst between collecting and playing and just kind of reignited my love uh, for the game that way. Yeah, as soon as you did that, I don't think it took long for you to find our community. Um, and I'm glad you did because you're become one of the core members of our local community when it comes to just playing um, and then just, you know, with the collecting side and just everything, you know, community based locally here in Pittsburgh. So um, couldn't be happier to have you um, on here and then as well as part of our community at large, because I think uh, you have a lot to offer. Um you know, aside from just, you know, the, your awesome friendship, but just uh, your knowledge of the game, knowledge of the cards um, and everything there for and, so. and, and knowledge of collecting. Right. I'm I'm interested to pick your brain about just collecting in general, uh, because that is a big side of Pokemon, even though we focus more on the competitive playing side. There mm-hmm. is a lot of Pokemon cards that are sold simply for collecting purposes. And you working in a card shop that and having experience in collecting Pokemon, but also sports card collecting, which is also a huge market of collecting. So, right. Interested in that. Oh, right. And it, it also kind of goes, you know, we'll go into it a little bit later after our opening of the podcast kind of shenanigans. Um, but with just playing Metadex, I mean, sometimes, you know, the strategies that collectors may have might affect the way you get the cards um, maybe in a better, more effective way than just, you know, spending a ton of money on, on like that next deck, like Arceus was, was that last time. Um, so maybe there's other things like, like that, that Nate might have some insight in that we might not have thought of as just strictly players. Yeah. All right. But, uh, I think we have to hit him with the, uh, the general four questions. Yeah, the general four. Okay. I'll start it off this time. Um, and then I'll give you that final last question there. Um, so Nate. What is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the one that is tattooed on my arm. Mm -hmm. uh, Abra. Yes. Any specific reason, Abra? I think I may have. I just always kind of liked Abra. And it almost looks like a sleeping cat, even though I've read up and it's supposedly a fox. Mm -hmm. But it was like sleepy adorable cat versus like meowth the loud mouth at that point for for gen one so i was like i'll go with i'll go with abra right and then yeah. even going into like uh back to red and blue days just to, i remember uh whenever i played it running up i forget was it the second town that you go up there you go up the trail and that's where you could find abra and just remember spending like hours just trying to skirt circle over bush to oh, catch yeah. abra and if you don't catch him he just runs away and then you have to do it all over again <laughs> and it was like early game, that was such a huge thing if you wanted to have a, a Kadabra or Alakazam at the end. Of the oh, game. yeah. Plus, the, the whole thing, Alakazam is one of the coolest Pokemon that, that they've made. It's just kind of a, a cool David Blaine, if you will. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the Alakazam was the only one that's been able to survive. Well, not really survive, but it's the only thing they've printed. Well, I think they can print Amber. I think it was just Kadabra that they were not allowed yes. to print. But they, they couldn't print Kadabra, and last year the the magician I don't even remember who it was lifted the band saying like oh I'm sorry blah 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 yeah too late too little too but late on that one for I, me. I just if if I remember correctly going back like they usually just cheated in Alakazam a lot more than 
yeah, there were a frame. few times, but I still don't think he was uh, at least the TCG. He wasn't meta relevant because um, they could that. cheat him in as like GXs and right, stuff like right. that. That's why. Very true. All right. Well, let's go on to the next. Um, so the next question uh, is: What is your favorite Pokemon card? So for me, it has pretty much nothing to do with actual gameplay. And this is the collector of me saying this, the Abra from um, the team rocket set. He's, he's sitting on top of like a little steeple. You can see the town beneath him. And he's just sleeping there. So that's just purely. I, I just, I love the art on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So and since we are talking about uh, collecting, um, how rare is that card? Um, and do you have one? It's pretty common. I have, I think, a PSA 9 first edition and a couple like raw copies of the regular, like unlimited print. Yeah. Not very rare. Oh, well, that's, but that's the, the chase on that is, is the, the pristine 10, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not too bad. Now, right. what is the, I have to ask because we, we, you brought it up on the Abra on, on your arm what is the just so everyone who doesn't know because i've seen it we've seen it no one else in the podcast can see it but what is the card on your arm that you have tattooed that is i have the uh japanese just base set abra card on my arm because that one's simple enough yeah for those of you that are listening you can google base set abra Japanese, and then you will basically have a picture of his tattoo, which looks really cool on his arm. Yeah, it, it is to scale to it, isn't it? Or pretty uh, good. it's probably like ninety-seven percent to scale. Yeah, that, I mean that's basically it's legit, just, legit just, card art on on his arm. That's right. Cool. Now, now I feel like eventually I got to do that and get myself a dragapult. There, <laughs> <laughs> just got to figure out which one. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump on to the next. Um, this may be more of a um, competitive player question, uh, but what is the worst card um, in in the Pokemon TCG in your opinion? I just uh, for me, it just even though I use it, it still has to be Marnie for me, just because of how many games I could have won, like turn two. But right. no, I got Marnie and then lost eventually. Right. I mean, that that card is such a killer, especially early game. Like if you you're going first and you set up and you have everything perfect and then Marnie comes to the table and it's like, oh, and then if it, you just get a dead hand, it's, it's just a feels bad. And yeah, my heart just sinks into my stomach every single time I hear somebody say, how many cards are in your hand? Yeah, <laughs> well, just wait, just wait, because it's going to get worse here. So now it's going to be how many prizes did you take? Uh, three Roxanne. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Roxanne. I got a story about that. We can talk about that a little bit later. For though. sure, for sure. Because we we have one more question to ask, and uh, it's our newest one, and we like to know, what is your best or favorite Pokemon memory? Favorite would probably be uh, winning the first qualifier tournament for the Team Challenge at Heroes, Inc. Just That was the first, like, tournament tournament that i had ever actually entered and winning that pretty much only a couple months after actually like diving in and starting to play heavy Mm -hmm. uh it was just i I was my my heart was in my throat the whole time i was like (gasps) 
Right. I had a misclick on the second game in the finals. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But eventually pulled through. There we go. Yeah. Um, uh, that was a good tournament turnout too. Uh, it was a good. It was one of the bigger ones, I think. One of, one of the bigger ones because I was running that. That was that was the one. One of the. But, ones. Not, but not the not the biggest one. No, the biggest uh, one was uh, Sports Car Junction there for hey, uh, Nate Store that I, he works at there. I can't help that. I just <laughs> run them. I don't. And <clears throat> yours truly might have uh, taken that one in, yeah, in, okay. in a best of three against his Araladon when I was playing Mew. So I feel like that might have been a little uh, lucky <laughs> on my part. My my opponent did break out twice. Um, before we jump into trivia and whatnot, we, I do want to kind of talk about um, this weekend. We had, oh, it was actually just yesterday as of recording, um, but we had we're our all pre-release. Yeah. Uh, all three of us were there. Um, one, let's see, how do you think um, this set is, you know, at least the pre-release format, how that went? Um, and two, did anybody pull anything good? So we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Chuck here. Um, okay, so the big thing, takeaway i have from pre-release format is if you get rocks in it's broken right um so i happened to pull two out of my packs because i believe someone told me they they had one in their <laughs> kit but i don't think it's very popular in in the actual kits right. so you got to get it out of the one of the four boosters but um i got two and it's just hilarious to watch your opponent take a prize and then just go okay rocks and and then <laughs> you basically just kind of screw them out of the game because they only go down to two cards yeah, they take one prize in a four prize uh, and, tournament yeah in a four prize <laughs> yeah. tournament so um it's a little bit of a broken card in pre-release um just not gonna say that it i mean i went we played only played three rounds i only i won one one lost one tied um one 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 <laughs> one 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 uh otherwise the Otherwise, the pre-release format was okay. It's a little bit of a slower pace than it has been, and decks were a little bit more, I guess, creative. Uh, the poke, like nothing, really stand out as like a busted Pokemon. This Roxanne was I, I kind beg, of. Busted. I beg to differ, but we'll go on. We'll go on that here <laughs> in a second after after Nate. Uh, but Nate, how did how did your tournament go? I know um, you had a pretty interesting deck there. Yeah, I ended up going two zero and one. I ended up with the Weird Ear promo, um, like the Yanma, all that. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's I, That was actually the first pre-release tournament that I've actually been able to play in. So I was beyond thrilled to go 2-0 and 1. Right. Um, but just I love pre-release format just because it's the closest we will ever get to a true level playing field. Mm-hmm. So then it's pretty... To an extent, okay, who's the actual best player and not just, okay, who is the best deck? Right. I mean, I agree with that. It definitely puts everybody on a level playing field. If somebody depends on the format, I get, or this specific set, because, you know, whenever I first started, I played in base set and I pulled a Zacian. Um, yeah. And then that felt like I, I just win at that point because there was a lot of quick balls in there and, you know, with his ability and everything. But, um, Basically, most sets after the fact feel like it's basic. Even if you pull, like somebody pulls a V, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're just going to win. Uh, no, because at last, the last, uh, was it uh, at the whenever Crembomitable V was in, um, that I put that in my deck and it was a purely a detriment in right. the release format. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm just going to deck him with this one water energy attack and they'll never be able to kill him. No, I just gave up two prizes. Yeah, so it was you half don't want to give uh, two prizes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for for me, I felt like uh, 
it was a pretty fun uh fun event and i think chuck you may be a little underestimating uh was it the hisuian samurott um that card is busted uh I, i did not have it in my kit and i did not see anyone play it against me. Right. Um, so I pulled so. this Samurott um, and then proceeded to pull, uh, well, with between my 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 regular kit of cards and my packs, I got three Gardena's Premonition um, and a Dark Patch. And then just also getting the the the, the Reindeer, what's his name? I forget. Weird Deer. Being able just to draw off both of those abilities and then accelerate energies, basically having Pseudo Welder. Um, in in just making Samurott that much more dangerous. So I actually did end up going 3-0. I think I was the only one that ended up 3-0. I think Nate technically was because uh with with the 201 you did a dice. We had off. yeah we had a 3-0 we had two 201s and then a 2-1. Right. So it, it it felt pretty good. Uh that that was probably the smoothest deck that I've had um in pre-release and that includes my base set with uh with the Zacian. Uh, I think Samurott just felt better in this in this format than even Zacian did. I, I think looking at looking back, I don't know what we predicted to be the card card from pre-release, but I think Wordier was actually the the good the the top of the cake. Yeah I mean, Samurott is a good attacker, but um I played uh Adam he had wordier he just got he happened he didn't get wordier out of his kit right he just happened to get two wordier out of his packs wow so um just having those the ability to draw cards in in, in a pre-release yep. format is is neat I, right i was hoping reggie drago with that dragon horde ability would be able to draw cards but i, I only got one and i never got to use them so right yeah i mean again drawing cards especially in a format where there's not a lot of supporters um feels pretty good so uh all in all it was another smooth pre-release um in in you know a lot of fun interesting games that you you're never going to see outside of pre-release so um not i guess nothing much else to talk about from um from that kind of uh perspective so let's just jump on in to our trivia it's uh, do you want me to start trivia, today? Trivia. go ahead you can you can have it the first go okay so again this is a little bit of a mad scramble because chuck um you know chuck coming here I didn't actually get anything prepared, so I was just trying to like mad rush. And I'm sitting uh, right next to him yeah, as he's I, trying to hide the. Yeah, the, you the might. Answer. Answer. <laughs> Hopefully, you did it. So <laughs> it's a little harder uh, in this situation. But we're gonna play name that Pokemon. This attack belongs to. Okay, uh, and of course, as per the usual, is standard legal. Um, so the attack name is Sheer Cold. It's. Hold. Uh, this is an attack, not an ability. This is an attack, not an ability. My gut initial reaction, which I'm just going to go with that, says Snow Run. That's a good one. I'm I'm going to go. I have no idea who this is, but I just want to say Obama Snow. No, both of you guys are wrong. It's <laughs> it's Beer Tech or Bear Tech. Um, uh, so Sheer Cold for a Water Colorless does 40 damage. Um, during your opponent's next turn, the defending Pokemon can't attack. What, what set is that from? Um, I believe that's what's that? That's a uh, brilliant, stars. brilliant star. So it, it is a recent. Huh. Um, probably never going to see play um, <laughs> now. But if you if 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 you are seeing less switch, um, 
it's not too bad because if they can't attack and they can't retreat and you can maybe put this in a zero arc deck um, potentially mm-hmm. um, and then keeping them from being able to attack seems pretty decent, especially oh, especially if you maybe get that Galar mind out. It really depends on the switching, which we have seen switch and escape rope kind of go down because when we when Chuck and I started in the tag team era, you saw basically every deck have four switch or close to it. Um, yeah, it was, now you're seeing a lot was, less. When we first started playing, it was four quick ball, four switch, and some there was there's another card, but um, uh, maybe Evo, maybe it was Evo Incense, uh, Evo Incense, or, or or even Cherish Ball or something. Yeah, Cher- it, yeah. it was Cherish Ball if you're playing GX's Evo Incense if you're playing a VMAX. Right. I'm, try, I'm trying uh, to think. There's a quasi way you could get that out if you go second on your first turn. If you get lucky enough to get a boost shake, or is he a stage one? Oh, he is a stage one. So yeah, you could not actually attack your first turn. It would probably have to be something. Well, if you go second and have a boost shake, then you just need the energy acceleration. Well, the boost shake ends your turn. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, they learn from uh, right experience. Yeah, they learn from Wally that that's not a good idea to let your your Pokemon evolve their first turn and then do some <laughs> then be able to do things. <laughs> yeah, if it had it just ruin you. Um, the the boost shake is a cool a viability for like wheezing or right um, things that have abilities Something that just turn that just on. stops them off right off the bat. Um, so. That's bear that's tech. A, that's enough on bear tech. Yeah, bear tech. That was he's a he's a great tech. That's not really. He, he's probably not. I, it was an interesting enough attack. <laughs> I can't I can't every week go on a a, a V V star or V max because then everybody knows what they're going to be. So I have to try to find something interesting. <laughs> so it's time for my trivia question, and we're going to hit the Pokedex entry again. I'm going to give you a Pokedex entry, obviously taking the name of the Pokemon out of it, and then you have to name that pokemon so the pokedex the pokedex entry for this pokemon is this pokemon is extremely territorial no one should ever approach its nest this is for their own safety if angered they will attack in a furious swarm nest so it's a yeah. flying type it can't be a bug type because Bugs don't have nests. They have ter- territorial. It is extremely territorial. I mean, no one should ever approach its nest. This is for they their usually own portray sake. Pidgeot and that elemental line or evolution line Spiro. as Spiro or Firo. Firo. Right, that's where I'm kind of going is Firo because I think at least in the like red and blue, it felt like they were more aggressive than the the Pidgey line. I think you guys are missing the last end of the, the last part of the Pokedex. They oh, will boy. attack in a furious swarm. Oh, I think Beedrill. Beedrill, yeah. But then, yeah. but it's not a nest. He's, so I guess he, you guys got it. Okay, it's Beedrill. It's Beedrill. It's the Beedrill. single strike master Beedrill. Uh, single strike uh, master Beedrill. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, p- uh, apparently we're just rewriting science and now bees have nests <laughs> right. and not hives right yeah it, it says nest it says nest i can't help that it's supposed to be an actual Sorry, hive. it said it should be hive that's what it, it could be a, tr- a translation up. issue right I, from really, the 90s i mean isaiah brander would be very happy with that one 
Yeah. So, uh, I, he was he's topical this week. So there he is. Yeah. I mean, he came in second at Indianapolis um, and probably poised to do some more action. I've seen him more on the ladder. So no, that's a, that was a good choice. And he has a new alt art out. Yeah. Well, that's well, for the V. Whole, that's for the V. He has a whole new V and yeah. everything. St- stole Beedrill. It is still Beedrill. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and jump into random card madness. All right. So we're going to do something fun because um, the set list for Astral Radiance was released. And I'm going to pull a random number out of the 180 cards that are in that set. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got number 144 today uh so we're going to talk about some new astral radiance cards and this one is a supporter it's grant uh so he's a supporter like i said and during this turn your fighting pokemon's attacks do 30 more damage to your opponent's active pokemon before applying weakness and resistance and then once during your turn if this card is in your discard pile you may discard two cards except for grant from your hand if you do put this card into your hand so it's a recyclable um, Leon for so, fighting Pokemon. for fighting Pokemon only. Um, so very good counter for Arceus, right? Well, I mean, your most fighting guys are already hitting Arceus. Um, so I, I guess I'll let you you start this. this thing. I mean, I, I'm thinking of it as somehow okay. If you don't want to put two and three prize fighting Pokemon out there but you still want to do damage against someone like Arceus, you could potentially pair this with just like a, a stage one or a basic or something like that. Right. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I guess it really depends on the meta and what the math is, right? So currently, uh, like Rapid Strike Urshifu is missing knockout on Arceus uh, V-Star without the choice band. Um, so it might be like maybe you want to put it in the discard early and then you can use the ability or the ability of the supporter to draw him out and then use it that way um, to fix the math there. Um, If any other, it depends on the math, I guess, like I said, Uh, I wouldn't say he is um, guaranteed to go into a deck, but definitely definitely put him in the binder um, to have him ready because depending on the meta, he might be very relevant for a math fixer. I think I think he will be a staple in fighting decks, right? Um, because he is that Leon that you don't have to hold on to. So he might give decks. Um, so fighting decks are pretty good. And uh, well, rapid striker Shifu is a pretty good card and he's still going to be around for a little while. So that could give you the opportunity to just extend the damage that you need enough um, at one point in time. And with the second part of his, his ability is it's not one that you are going to be worried about saving early game, like, or be mad about pitching and being like, all right, I don't have this avenue to this extra damage because you can pitch him. And then if he's, he's in your discard pile, you can, and you're coming up 10, 20 damage short, you can pitch two cards, grab them back and play him for the turn. Right. So, um, in a fighting deck, because because he's got that specific niche in that it's only fighting, I feel like the modifier, uh, as long as math may be a little bit of an issue, like as long as like, you know, everything is in 120 hit points like right. for Urshifu or 100, like uh, I think then you'll find him in there just because 
he's going to make math easy on certain things. Right. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a card to keep. Um, is it going to go into every deck? No. Like you said, um, fighting decks, it's going to be relevant. Uh, so really, it's just, um, you know, read the meta. Um, is fighting relevant right now? Is that extra damage going to be a thing, especially in combination with a card like um, like the Halucha and the fighting uh, belt? So you can kind of really ramp up that damage with those fighting Pokemon. Even if you're not hitting for weakness, you're still, that's potentially, what, 90 more damage with the three cards right there. So Halucha, belt, and um, and and the grant. So, yeah, um, so that's, I mean, that takes... I mean, that's two, that takes an Urshifu up to 240. If you need to do a Gale Thrust, it takes a... Yeah, 240 is hitting a, any other V, plus if he's hitting hitting the, the bench um, for you know any kind of uh, damage buffs there as yeah. well. Um, so a, it's a very, good, it's yeah, a very I mean, good card in combination with other things, I think. Yeah. And if they introduce any fighting V unions, that could be a tool to get rid of the cards into the discard. You get Grant back out. Right. So again, uh, that's a that's a hypothetical. Hypothetical, yeah. It gives yeah, you I never even thought of that. You can literally just use that card to fuel the unions because you just discard it, get it back, discard them again, like with some other effect, right? And then you can discard them, again. <laughs> discard two more cards, right? That's a cool discard effect for a V. That and just throw a, a Clara or two in there. So okay, I just discarded two energies this turn and last turn to use him. Okay. Two energy, two Pokemon. Okay, they're already back in my deck. I don't have to worry about decking. Exactly. And then another thing is a lot of times, you know, in other metas, um, just having things in the discard and having abilities to rip them out of the discard so they're guaranteed there. So you don't have to like shuffle through your deck or hope hope maybe like a professor's would hit whatever you need. You can just take it out. Is it, you know, we've seen how um, other cards like VS Seeker in the past have, have been huge in the meta. Anytime you've had like, even like Clara right now, hey, you throw you, your early game energy into the discard and then like as uh, Moltres, um, taking out this card, they're guaranteed there. They're oh, they're never going to move from there at that point. Your opponent really generally is not going to do anything um, to your discard pile. So um, yeah, another card that, that has versatility in the two seasons. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into Turtwig Talk Sameta. Ladies and gentlemen, trainers and Pokemon alike, you're listening to <laughs> Turtwig Talks the Meta. This is your host, Ryan, otherwise known as RY for Gaming. I am joined by none other than the best starter of all time, Turtwig. This week, we have 11 tournaments, 1,111 unique deck plays, and 3,262 matches to cover this week. Now, let's get right into those top 8s. Starting off, Arceus Duraludon had 6 top 8s, Dark Box had 6 top 8s, Ice Rider had 9 top 8s, Mew Genesect had 17 top 8s, and Arceus had 24 top 8s this week. So, that's it for the top 8s, let's hop into those boring meta numbers. All these decks had over a 50% win rate this week, those being Arceus Duraludon and Ice Rider Inteleon. Notable changes to Arceus Inteleon, Arceus, Rapid Strike Melamar, Whimsicott, and Ice Rider. Arceus Inteleon starts us off by being up in play percentage by 8% and being down in win percentage by 3%. So Arceus Inteleon, good luck, try, try again next week. Next, Rapid Strike Malamar was down in win percentage by about 10%. Arceus was down by a win percentage by about 7.5%. Whimsicott was down in play percentage by 4.5%, almost 
and was also down in win percentage by 7.5%. Now, Ice Rider was up in win percentage by about 5%, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Other decks were down in win percentage, if anybody cares about that one. So I would like to give some appreciation to our local group at Heroes Inc. Comics by shouting out the winner of our Thursday Locals. This week's winner was Joe with his Mew Genesec deck. Now, I know it took some time to work out the kinks with this one, but I'm glad you found another deck you enjoyed, Joe. Congrats. Now, let's talk about the wins of the week. Starting off, all these decks had a single win this week. Arceus Malamar, Darkbox, and Rapid Strike Malamar. Ice Rider came in with two wins, Mugenesect had two wins, and Arceus had three wins this week. So, I know it's quick, but Turtwig worked hard on getting all this data ready just for you. So if you could let us know on Twitter at ry gaming your thoughts on this week's report. That does it for this week's Turtwig Talks the Meta. I hope you all enjoyed and had a wonderful time. Until next time, be safe and take care, Pokemon trainers. Alright, and we are back from another Meta Talk with Turtwig. Um, now, after the meta talk, we always go to the news. And, well, uh, for the Today. second week in a row, we do not have any news because the big news is Astral Radiance's set list was uh, leaked, leaked, re- spoiled, revealed. revealed, whatever you want to call it. Hey, but uh, hey, we, we have the cards in hand now. Like yeah. with some of these pre release, uh, like we were already talking, like we've already pulled a bunch of cards. Yeah, we've, we've talked on nauseum about Radiance's. Oh. Uh, Set list. Before we jump on into collection, though, with the news, we talked about Astral Radiance um, coming out now. We did not actually mention anything that we potentially pulled at our pre-release. So do we want to take this time to say, hey, we we pulled these cards? Um, sure. I pulled, I will start this very short part for me. I pulled a Hasuian Sneasler. Let's go. The regular V. And that's it. Oh, wait, no, I forgot. <laughs> Out of my prize packs, I got uh, Radiant Halucha, and I was pumped about that. Right. So. I think somebody else pulled some Radiance here that are in, <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> out, out of my uh, Build-A-Battle, one of my booster packs, I pulled a Radiant Heat Ran. And then for my prize packs, I pulled another Radiant Heat Ran and a Radiant Halucha. <laughs> There you go. I guess you don't need two radiant heat ran. So if you know a person that needs a radiant heat ran, <laughs> <laughs> just to hit me up. Um, but yeah, all so, him. Yeah. So for my kit, I pulled a Lilligant V, um, which came in relevant in one of my games because it does 130 damage for uh, a grass and two fighting or two, I'm sorry, two colorless. And with the addition of Gardena's Premonition, it definitely helped to like, get that out, out there. Gardenia's vitality. Vitality. What? Where am I getting permission? Premonition from? Hey, I don't know. You're thinking of Ace Aurora's premonition, which, there, is, which is Nate's deck. But well, yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah. that, and you also had last night. Everybody, everybody was confused with. Are you talking about Roxanne or Roseanne's backup? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Roxanne's backup. I want. I want. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, <laughs> both both of those. I. Um, but then I pulled a Dialga V Star out of my uh, prize packs, which. Again, I don't know if I'm. We'll see. It's kind of like a wait and see how that card does in the meta, um, but at least I kind of have a head start there, so it's a it's a playable, nice looking card. Well, yeah, well, see, I know me and uh, I know Nate opened some Japanese stuff, so I know right. me and him have a little bit of a head start. Yeah, I have to start picking him for some of the stuff well, that he pulled for going building in, my deck. Going but... into the two K at or was it, it was no actually it was a five K right. 
5k now 5k at full crypt uh you're allowed to use the japanese cards um in that first set because they are legal um so chuck already has the the galarian uh what's it called uh the this this typhlosion the typhlosion so i have are you gonna play dragapult typhlosion uh that's gonna be the first thing i'm gonna try and uh test with right so I know that you right now are on, still on, because you got Jersey yeah, I, next I've week. Yeah, I've got so Jersey next week, so I'm all yeah, standard you're, right you're, now. Yeah, you're all standard, and I am not going to Jersey. So I am kind of like pre-gaming prepping for um, for full grip at the 5K. So I'm starting to think of things that I could make. And I was hoping to get some other stuff, like the Lilligant V, I think, is something that I'm hyped about with using with potential. I'm, I'm hyped on shaman right Right. now i think shaman is an underutilized card so i'm trying to find things to pair with shaman as shaman's the late game attacker and i need some stuff to hit early right um is that yeah lilligant might be that um i think typhlosion and dragapult is hot in japan um and then hasui samurai v is kind of another thing that might be good right um but i know nate's pulled some cool stuff uh, out of his stuff, his Japanese stuff that I have to pull, I have to go <laughs> rub elbows with and see if I can get from him. But uh, is there anything else cool that we pulled from Astral Radiance yet? Not for me. All right. So, no, just uh, what we mentioned. Right. All right. So let's get into the meat of the conversation. Um, we kind of got to know Nate a little bit with all the, the beginning of the podcast stuff, but as we kind of alluded to, he is a player, he's a collector and a podcaster. Um, so let's get into the collecting side of it first, because this is something I don't think we've tapped into a lot on our podcast because we're very much um, focused on the meta most most weeks. Um, but there is a lot of interesting conversations that can be had um, on the collecting side of it um, as players as well. Um, so that kind of leads into that first question I want to ask. Does playing um, the, the Pokemon trading card game influence the way you collect it all? Um I know, you know, collectors may just go for the Charizards, but, you know, now that you're into the, you know, into the scene, are other cards, you know, piquing your interest? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely does, because it could be something as simple as, okay, I really like the new RCSV promo art. I'm going to put it in at least one of my decks. Right. Well, then I have to go out and get even more than I normally would, because if I'm just collecting, you know, one or two will hold me over. But now I need, you know, three or four for my deck, plus another one for the binder. Right. Um, So you kind of see that. But then you also kind of look at other cards that from a collecting standpoint, you might not have really cared about, but then you see it's really good in the meta or something like that. So you start to appreciate the card a little bit more. And then, you know, you might be picking up some extra copies or looking for graded copies because, you know, oh, this card won me a game or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, so going into that, like, there's a lot of max rarities, min rarities, depending on, you know, how you, a lot of players play like the mid rarity um, stuff. But as a collector, do you kind of favor maybe going for that max rarity in in a deck um just because you know you want to show off those cards um now that can lead to more expensive kind of decks but like i don't know does does having those cards that you love to to enjoy um as a collector um kind of find their way into the deck that way you kind of get to see those as you're you know having you know gameplay situations there 
absolutely because i think the collector aspect is i appreciate the art on the cards or just like the design and everything like that if i'm playing it's just going to heighten my experience if i have a deck full of cards that i love seeing so like my mimikyu sableye arceus deck is all blinged out my mu genesec deck is on its way to be all blinged out and that one especially that's the one that i won my first tournament with so when i get that qualifier mat and once mu goes away i'm gonna have that my deck all blinged out framed up like on top of the the mat that that you were telling me about that that's super awesome i can't wait to see that i mean that's still at least uh a year plus away with a road. I, I still have plenty that I need to, to, to get for the deck. Exactly. Um, but that, that's actually a, a pretty cool, um, you know, sentiment that you said there as a player, Hey, this deck meant a lot to me. Um, and then as a collector, you know, you could kind of after rotation kind of have the best of both worlds. So, Hey, this, this deck won me a tournament or it meant a lot to me. Hey, we can uh, maybe try to get max rarity, or something like that, and then put it up on on wall for display. Yeah. So plus, if if I'm if I'm gonna lose a game, I'd rather do it looking at cool full arts or something like that. Right, yeah. right. Um, so that that kind of uh, rolls me into like a little spinoff question because I know I'm I'm gonna try and bring your your sports card knowledge into this because it's another like collecting aspect. Um, that's like a little difference with with the Pokemon is it gives you different ways to kind of collect cards um right like because you have it gives you more reasons to want to collect cards i guess that maybe aren't necessarily the the chase card of the set that's going to give you max value but um you're going to have sentimental reasons or other reasons to want to own a card and more 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 than one of them Mm -hmm. um and give you various at like uh I'm losing my train of thought um various reasons to want the card so is that like a if you can kind of like like think of like is that a big difference in general collecting like of cards to maybe like pokemon yeah that's that's definitely and i've talked about this with people in the past too um one of the biggest things that i love about um collecting and playing pokemon is seeing something that you don't see in sports cards okay, when Arceus V and V-Star came out, it breathed life into so many old cards. Mm. If, you know, they released Tom Brady's 2022 card, it's not going to make his 2017 card any better. Whereas Pokemon, it's literally, there is a chain effect. Um, It it just breathes new life into old cards constantly. Mm. So that's just really cool to see that. And I both love and hate just the arbitrary nature of collecting for Pokemon because I tell people all the time and they're they're baffled. Okay, Charizard's the king of Pokemon collecting and all that. Next to none of his cards are good in the actual game. Right. And they're like, oh, really? (laughs) There are always too, too many energies for their effect. Uh, to make it worth it, uh, generally, um, there have been you know exceptions to the rule um, in the past. Um, yeah, but that and then you of... have sports. Just real quick, that's all like performance based, right? So, 
like Dragapult was the king of meta for a while, his cards didn't go up astronomically necessarily. But like if a baseball player has a hot streak, okay, his cards are going to go up. That and Pokemon can't tear their ACL. Right. They, they can't send out racist tweets right. and get canceled. Right. <laughs> Bet Dragapult next time. <laughs> I'm gonna throw my children at this. Uh, this. Uh, but that kind of leads me into another question where you kind of said, uh, you know, the value of a card can go up and down. Um, like a, a card like Dragapult, obviously, it's had its time to shine. It, it's kind of gone down in the meta. It's going to rotate, and then you're never really going to see a card like that again in standard. Um, but for those cards like, um, you know, that, that may recycle as far as like items and supporters, um, like for one instance, like Switch or even Quick Ball from the past, um, those cards have came, rotated, and then got reprinted. And then, you know, because because um, they have the same text, you can use one with like a A block compared to a D block um, just because, you know, it's the same card. Um, do you see cards that have the high potential for reprints like Switch or Escape Rope or things like that in the past um, to maybe hold their value a little bit better? Uh, definitely. I think one of the biggest things that we saw, I forget what Sun and Moon set has the gold Ultra Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I, that's the it, Sun, it's Sun and Moon base set. Yeah, it's Sun and Moon base set. That card is always going to hold its value because, okay, if Ultra Ball gets rotated out again and then eventually it comes back, oh, well, there's going to be people that want to show off and see, oh, I have the rarest gold Ultra Ball in my deck. Right. Yeah, those... Pokemon has that unique... Like, like that unique... When you look at it from purely as a collecting standpoint, you have cards like Ultra Ball, those trainer cards that that aren't necessarily like things that are going to be fan favorites, but um, their high max rarities are going to hold value over like standardly over a period of time because they're going to be continuously being played and people want max rarities, right. Of those cards. Guilty's charge. Um, the other, for when it comes to Pokemon, you'll have like a, a short period of time where things might ebb and flow when it comes to collecting, like like we were using Dragapult as an example, Height was in Rebel Clash, probably like his most expensive. Then he peaked again in in Chilling Rain, I think. Right, yeah. Uh, but dropped back off. So you mean might get cards for him at multiple different values. But then the long term aspect for Pokemon is literally just whether like they're fan favorites, and it's not performance based, but kind of like public opinion based right yeah you, you see why. those charizards and, and like nate said like there have been a many people that oh yeah i want this charizard charizard and you're like yeah he's never really been meta relevant people sound shocked so um yeah it is that fan favorite yeah, uh, it, it's just a truly arbitrary value system for anything that that gets rotated out it's just okay what pokemon do people like right the the part i really like about collecting though it is arbitrary is that you can kind of make your your own collections and you can kind of find your own favorites and especially if you're not looking at it for a monetary value because if i mean if you want to go um and look at it for a collection point and you're like i want to make my pokemon and i want stonks up so then you're like charizards because stonks up but you could be like you know what i really like uh a burmy Right. And, and just get all the Burmy cards. Right. Like, and you can just 
you can find one of the 980 some odd Pokemon that hopefully have been printed in cards, I think. Yeah. But, um, and just kind of collect them because that's for me, like I have every, every Whimsicott ever printed. And I have every draggable ever printed. (laughs) Um, Now uh, that collection probably isn't worth uh, the Pikachu that you have on the wall. Like every (laughs) single one of them combined. But uh, I love that. Collection. Yeah, who cares? Like that means yeah. something to you. So yeah. who cares what the monetary value? If it means a lot sentimentally to you, it, it it holds value right there, right there. So my my point is like I think collecting Pokemon offers a lot of different avenues for those fun parts of collecting. When new sets come out and they may reprint a Whimsicott, and you're like, oh, I got to get that. I got to get this set. So going on from there, um, another question I had, um, I guess this may be you know, it's kind of for collectors and for players in general, um, but what are generally the best products you can buy um, to kind of, you know, fill that niche to maybe get you the best kind of odds? Like in general, you don't have to say like, hey, just get like the Dragapult box or anything, but just like um, are buying like ETBs the best way or buying like like the Arceus kind of sets, um, you know, the collector sets that just came out. Are those kind of the best ways or, or what have you found um, that have the best like pool rates and or just value for your money? Um, I mean, boosters are always pretty much going to be your, your top tier in terms of value for money. It's going to be the lowest price per pack you're going to get. Um, not everybody can afford to just rip through boosters. Perfectly fine. Um, yeah, the, the elite trainer boxes are usually pretty good. I've seen decent pull rates out of ETBs. Outside of that, I personally am not a big fan of like the V boxes and stuff like that. But if you want a variety of sets, they're a very, very good option. Right. Now, as far as like the premium collections, I know we had that last year, we had that Sword and Shield one with, um, it was base set through, um, I I think it was maybe Trilling Rain. I forget exactly. Um, But with like the the gold Zashian and Zamazentas, are those typically good sets um you know the your year yearly collection sets um to to purchase are those something that as a maybe as a collector you want to buy it and keep it sealed but as like a player are those worth buying um as a player they're worth buying it at if you can find them at like original retail costs from a collector standpoint they're usually the best way to go because they never reprinted the Base that short and sword and shield one that they did. Yeah, They're probably not going to do it with the one that came out around celebrations. But they reprint the V boxes from those same eras all the time. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So coming at like I don't I don't know if you that's another thing that is a sealed product collecting a thing. I know that's like one of a Pokemon thing, like you know holding on to booster boxes. Is that like a, a unique aspect to Pokemon? Like, um, not really. It, it, it's it's not unique to Pokemon. A lot of people do it in the sports card world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to add to that question, I guess so. How like so you buy a, a product um, and then you keep it sealed? How long does it usually take for that sealed product to actually like? Um, I guess increase in value to make it worth it for for the collector. Um, it's usually pretty cyclical, so you'll see 
roughly three to four months after set releases, you'll see the sealed product go up in value. And then five or six months, I would say, you start seeing some of the reprints. So the prices go back down. And then they eventually go back up. And when they start to go back up, they are perfectly fine. All right. Um, so I know we were, we were talking about how sets uh, ebb and flow um, in there. So you, you don't necessarily see the big spike in the value of the set until it's technically out of print, right? When pretty much you see the biggest, you see one of the biggest spikes when it first comes out in terms of the single cards, but the sealed product is it goes down, down, then people realize it's drying up, then it goes back up. And it's almost the opposite when, when the sealed product gets more valuable. Maybe one or two of the key cards from the set appreciate in value, and everything else is just kind of forgotten might be like the one of the higher rarity things like a like a, a gold card or, or yeah something like that so like so i guess uh, that kind of leads me into with that with the new rcsb box um you know it's retail for what 25 bucks you can see it you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 i've seen um lgs is um and the big thing is in that set obviously you're getting the promo and for four packs but you're getting you're getting that cosmic cosmic eclipse right yeah yeah so um that pack on its own is ten dollars so like i guess it is it's kind of a weird thing where like when does it become more risky to like open a pack like that when it like like for instance i opened one and i pulled the charizard breakston and i still lost money on the pack um so like where does that fine balance is like yeah like a like should I even open this or is it even worth it? Cause like the sealed yeah. pack by itself is worth more. That, that's all up to like personal interpretation, but anytime you get to, to anything that's considered vintage in terms of Pokemon or anything like that, I tell customers all the time, cause we have some like vintage German packs, French packs, Japanese packs. I tell them like, there's next to no way you're getting your money back. If you open that, Right. Even if you pull the card that you need, you would need it to grade really well. And even then, might not make all your money back. That's why I love evolutions. Right. <laughs> I love that Nobody set. liked that set. And then everybody loved when that we set. Start, when we started, everyone was like, evolutions was garbage. Garbage. And yeah. it was like no, worth nothing. And then the Pokemon boom happened and it jumped in price and is like a collector's dream at the moment. I, I kind of, I guess, because you could have got it for cheap because it was readily prevalent and now it's yeah. worth a lot. But, Evolution should not be open. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I look at it and then like I've 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 have a couple friends that like co-workers that they have evolutions packs. I'm like, just oh just dude, there's nothing in there worth opening. Just save the pack because even the most expensive card is like what 50 bucks. Like so you're telling me value. the most expensive chase card in that set is is less, even if you pulled it, is less valuable than the pack sealed. Uh, I think not, the pack sealed are still like 30-ish. Okay. Yeah, the, so it's, it's a huge you, gamble for you, a small margin. Yeah, the pack sealed is, you could make money if you pull the Charizard. If it's Charizard and maybe one other card. Yeah, the but, Charizard Hollow. Um, and I like the... There's full it, art like Mega Charizard EX or something. Under a handful of things right. that you could pull, 
out of the set that'd be worth more than opening the pack. And especially depending on how you came about that pack. Cause like, if you buy an ETB, like you, you would lose money by the handful by yeah. opening the ETB. Right. Just a, a Charizard ETB it. is like 250 and a Blastoise is like 150 roughly. Yeah. Okay. So we did kind of briefly touch on that, where you said if you, you pulled the card and then you got it graded um, and if it graded well, um, but you know, there are many different options to get cards graded. What, what are your, you know, what are some of your favorite places to get cards graded? So in general, PSA is king. Um, they've been around all that. One of the things that I love about PSA is like, I'm working on the base set unlimited set, all PSA graded. Um, PSA has a feature on their website where once you buy a card, you can scan the barcode on it and have it added to your collection. And then it'll basically like rank your collection versus other people's. It's also a good way of keeping track of your collections and saying like, okay, I still need this card or this card. Right. Um, after them, CGC has the most beautiful slabs. I just don't like their labels up top. Right. <laughs> they're just, they're too big for me. Their slabs are sturdy and crystal clear. Um, I still like them, um, but then a lot of people don't realize, especially in the Pokemon market, just because it is predominantly a sports card one, um, but SGC, they've actually been grading longer than Beckett. Um, they're very, very well respected in the vintage sports card market, sometimes even more so than PSA. And personally, I like the way that a lot of the vintage Pokemon cards look in their slabs because they don't have just a bunch of empty space. They put the card in like a little black cutout in the slab. They call it a tuxedo. Right. Um, but yeah, PSA is always going to get you the most. Then Beckett. And then I probably put CGC and SGC around the same. No, that's yeah. fair, fair. That's cool. Um, I, I only have one from PSA at the moment. So right. I have. I we we know. <laughs> <laughs> No, I only have one currently. I have one on the way, hopefully. Um, we'll see how my, uh, um, what was it that I said? The Mew comes back. We'll see. Is, is, if I remember, is is Beckett the only one that does individual, like, the, like Sub, subgrades? Subgrades. Um, I, CGC does on some. You usually have to pay extra for it. Um, I've just never seen them on, like, a PSA one. No, PSA doesn't do subgrades. But every now and then CGC does uh, do the subgrades. And if you get like a really old Beckett slab, the subgrades are actually on the back. Oh, okay. That's not bad. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. So, um, you know, that's a lot of good things. So I think it, it, generally you want to just go to the, the PSA because they, they've been around the longest or at least established in the Pokemon world the longest. Um Besides from just grading, like what what are some sets that uh, for a collector uh, standpoint that you're really going for? Maybe I'm uh, giving you like one old one and then like one newer set. Newer set is definitely it, it's a toss up. I think long term, the two best sets from this era are going to be Evolving Skies and Brilliant Stars. I think they both offer the most. I give. Brilliant Star is just a little bit more of an advantage just because 
not everybody is into all the evolutions, and that's the biggest draw of Evolving Skies. Right. Brilliant Stars still has some of those, but then tons of other stuff, multiple Charizard chases, uh, all arts, all that kind of stuff. And as far as old goes, I, I would probably say the uh, Gym Heroes and Gym Challenge sets are, are two of the best ones long-term just because we're seeing now all these trainer gallery cards. Mm. Well, these were the originals. It was like, okay, this isn't Gyarados. This is Misty's Gyarados. Or this is Blaine's Moltres. So I think we might see some kind of trickle down. Plus, a lot of people have already completed their base sets. Probably already worked through Fossil and Jungle since they were pretty small. Rocket. So it just kind of, it's that trickle down of okay that's the next one in line right yeah so that might you might see that get the little bit of a spike from where it currently sits yeah i just i think that one has the the most long-term staying power outside of like the original base set um so so are those 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 gym here um gym challenge cards and things like that are those are those the type of cards that maybe would hold their value the most, those older vintage cards? Or are you looking at, like, is there any kind of newer card that may be able to hold its value as well? I, I like would say, like, in terms of if you want cards to hold their value, anything Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. uh-huh. is probably going to be the best way to go. A lot of the modern stuff, we'll see it hold good value. Um, but nowhere near what we see on the vintage just because there's so many more cards printed now and you have that scarcity of the older ones because kids beat them up. Right, yeah. Or in my case, my friends left my binder out in the rain and and stuff like that. So the, the Wizards of the Coast stuff, especially just because they were a day to divide their time between multiple different projects, so there's not as much out there as when the Pokemon company prints them. They're like, oh, well, we're going to get as much money as we can. We're going to print as much as we can. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. So uh, are there any way to maybe, um, I guess cheap is not a word I would use in this situation, but uh, acquire sets like that um, that are sealed? Um, what's the best strategy if you don't have anything you know, older uh, to get those? Anything sealed, only buy from someone you like really, 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 really trust and know. Just there's there's so much fake stuff out there, resealed stuff out there. Um, Yeah, a lot of the older Wizards of the Coast era stuff, the raw cards as opposed to the graded cards are still relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Um, And then if you put a full set together, you know, it gives you a little bit of a bump because you have the whole set. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, just go to trusted sources. Um, really, is what I'm hearing. If you're going to buy sealed stuff, though, it sounds like it's probably going to be an expensive venture. Um, so absolutely, you might, you might as well trust uh, who you're going with. Uh, opposed, yeah. to- it's like with the evolutions. It's worth what it is now because it is sealed, right? Because mm-hmm. there's less sealed stuff out there than stuff that was opened at this point so the sealed factor is the scarcity that's what drives the price up 
Yeah. Uh, and there's like, cause there's not going to be any more of that made. So, um, so yeah, I, I get that. And then it is a, something where you're going to want to, you want to know and trust the person and it'll be a little bit of a money venture, but could be a payoff right after a while. It's, it's more of an, that's, that's an investment. Right. As they say. Exactly. Um, so I guess the last question I have as far as like collectability um, when it comes to the Pokemon trading card game. Now there's a lot of accessories like mats. Um, like, you know, we just, I just went to regionals and got a mat for, from regionals or, you know, the team challenge mats so that are there, you know, they have the Pokemon stamp on them. Um, and then even just like products like the Arceus pack with the figure or, you know, with pins or things like that. Um, do those accessories hold their value um, over time? Or, and is there a market for um, collectability when it comes to those products? Definitely a market for them. Definitely investability. It's not going to be anywhere near the cards. Right. Um, just because it's we, we see a lot similar in sports cards. Okay, your RCS V-Box takes up, you know, however much shelf space. In that same space, you could fit 50 cards right it's not everybody has a ton of space so like we see it in sports all the time like signed footballs and signed photos and stuff there's only so much space you can take up with them whereas cards in that same space you can have like hundreds or thousands the the amount hmm. and they could all be worth the same thing as that one piece yeah it makes a lot of sense. Um, Plus, they're usually more liquid just because the individual cards are easier to ship. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the, the weight on shipping is definitely cheaper. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that the market on mats in general, like in mat, uh, in play mats is, I mean, there is a little bit and you can definitely have a little bit of collectability on things that you've earned. Um, but that's, I feel like those are going to be a little bit more of a, uh, like a niche market to to kind of like advertise find or something yeah like finding finding something that would be worth that would be something like uh that someone that you're not going to find the same interest in everybody I right guess. Mm-hmm. um but it, it could be something that i mean you would probably be able to you know make uh money on but right. not necessarily a whole bunch exactly yeah. all right so i i, I think that's going to do for me as far as um you know the collecting side of the, you know, the Pokemon trading card game, unless you have anything, Chuck, not, not collecting in general for Pokemon. Like, um, that's all we, I mean, like in, and not specifically Pokemon collecting. Right. All right. Well, let's jump into the new or the next category of uh, topics here. And let's talk about, uh, Nate's podcast. So, um, first and foremost, uh, What's your podcast name? What you guys talk about in the general rundown there? So the the podcast that I do now is called the Card Life Podcast. Um, it's predominantly sports cards. Uh, I, I go off on my Pokemon tangents fairly often just to give a fresh perspective. Uh, they don't know as much about the Pokemon stuff. I don't know as much about some of the, like one of the guys on the podcast is big into F1 like right. racing. I don't know as much about that. So when he starts talking, I can ask questions that would be almost like the, the listener is going to have. Um, but we release roughly once a week. Uh, four of us do the hosting. There's a husband and wife and then me and another guy. So it's 
mainly sports cards, but every now and then we look into like alternatives, Pokemon cards. Right. We've talked about Fortnite cards in the past. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, uh, I'm a listener. I've listened to it. Um, I generally like it in this fact that, I mean, we're Pokemon players, me and you, Jake, and, and Nate, obviously. We all play Pokemon, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a good look at, it's a good podcast in the looking at it from a, like a collecting and like a little bit, maybe like investing side of what you're doing with the collection. Right. Um, now, like he said, it is a sports card focus. I don't necessarily collect or invest in sports cards, but there's a lot of helpful advice in just collecting. Right. In that um, where they talked a lot about things that, yeah, they're talking about F1 cards at the moment, but I can take that knowledge and put it to Pokemon. Right. Like, so there's a lot of good collecting knowledge to be learned in the, in the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good crossover information and we're starting. Um, we started it one or two episodes ago where we're going to have a, a small segment where it's just, we'll do a round table and talk about one specific thing that new uh, questions that new collectors might have. Right. Like we already talked about, okay, how to properly ship a card. <laughs> you put it in between cardboard and tape it, right? And make sure it's blue painter's tape. Right. <laughs> and not scotch tape because then the top loader will be ruined if it's scotch tape. I've gotten duct oh. tape before. Those, those top loaders are ruined. Right. I, I thought you just duct taped the card the cardboard. Right. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You draws yeah. right over the, the whole yeah, you print just take the card. card. You just Stick it on with the right. thumbtack. Right. right. Or, yeah, or you just throw the, throw the card in the envelope. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. No you don't need nice. anything. Yeah. Oh, I've gotten those before. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, my God. I would be so mad. <laughs> that feels like a good topic that probably most people need to listen to, but everyone probably never thought, like, you would think, like, no one needs to hear this. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as your podcast, how, I mean, you said that, you know, there was a married couple, you and one other guy, um, how did this kind of, um, get started? Like, uh, you know, as a podcast, um, we had all kind of known each other adjacently through Instagram. Um, like the card industry on Instagram is pretty big and it started, my one friend wanted to start a podcast with his wife, um, and then me and the other guy were their first guests on their first episode. Okay. And their second and third episode, they had different guests on. And those people were incredibly boring. <laughs> so they they got the most reaction from the first episode where I was on and uh, the other guy was on. Just, uh, me, just I, I have run another podcast in the past. That one is very, uh, it's all uh, sports card related, but... Uh, pretty not safe for work so i'll leave that one be right <laughs> it's just completely honest opinions and just debauchery right but just having that experience being able to help him he wanted to bring me on um so now i'm one of the permanent co-hosts yeah you right. just threw a little spice in there and that's uh what the people like for sure yeah. um so as far as you said, you weren't one of the original people on that, um, but it's, you know, now that you are, what, what, what's your like main goal objective of being on a podcast like that? Um, for me personally, I just, I, I like giving people information, um, especially like in the sports card market, there are plenty of vultures out there that'll like 
try and get you to pay for collecting tips and investment advice. Right. And, and we always, uh, almost every single episode, I say, all right, guys, just a reminder, don't pay for investment advice cards. <laughs> DM one of us, we will help you. Um, so just helping with that and also just um, just the, the round table banter, all that, plus uh, one of my dream jobs at some point, maybe I'll get off my butt and do it, is to be a voice actor. So uh, just kind of coming and going with different podcasts and stuff like that, especially if you do like a little bits here and there, it can kind of uh, build things up over time. Nice. All right. Um, I don't really have any questions for his. Yeah, I mean, is that do we have any more questions for his for podcasts? I mean, it just seems like you know you guys are trying to give honest advice, not try to you know take advantage of anybody. I think that in the collecting world, maybe um, there are people out there maybe trying to be predatory and and take advantage of people, uh, regardless of Pokemon sports cards or any other card game. Um, so it does seem like you guys are trying to, you know, do a solid for the community, like you said. So, um, yeah, it does. It definitely sounds interesting. Um, and I think we do, we probably, you guys probably talk a lot about kind of what we already did in the collecting, um, world as well as just not just Pokemon, but like I said, um, sports cards. Yeah. Well, coming from me is listening to it before. I mean, we kind of take a touch of what they've talked about and and bent it all on specifics of pokemon but you can get like i said a lot more collecting and investing tips if if card collecting is your thing even on top of i mean i've got i've played the game and i've gotten a lot more interested in collecting same um than i thought i was going to be um now uh some of you may hate me for it anyway because i still don't necessarily take care of the cards I play with as much as other people's who would like to collect with um, because I have the mentality that trading cards are meant to be played. Right. So, so I will, I will riffle shuffle my rainbow. Rares oh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Player. I'm also one of the crazy people that takes his Funko pops out of the box so I can put them on the shelf. Um, that is fine. But what is your reaction to Chuck having his backpack where he literally just throws cards in there? Uh, I seen him just throw a product in there, not really protected much. Uh, that's that's all bulk. I throw bulk in my bag with no protection. Anything that's that's a, a rare of some sort will usually get put into the binder first, okay. which is then thrown in the back. Then just thrown. I in. mean that that's why the original Pokemon cards from the '90s are worth what they are now because plenty of people didn't take care of them. Yeah. Still, I, just, I he's still, still just a child. A, a Ten-year-old in right? 1998. So yep, he's still funny. betting the card. Look at, look at this Charizard. He's moving. <laughs> All um, right. No, that's cool. That, uh, yeah, that, uh, that about does it for me as far as whole collecting and podcasting. Um, I mean, we are a um, Pokemon TCG uh, trading card game meta podcast kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So let's... Um, we have a little bit of time left before the end of the podcast. Um, do we want to talk about um, this week's meta and maybe potential plays or good decks um, going into New Jersey? Because we are in, you know, ever evolving um, you know, state yeah. of the game where one deck could be great one week and then the next week, yeah, um, we have maybe not so much. We've had this little lull of play in between Indy and what will be New Jersey. So, uh, what are we expecting to see? So yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll switch it up to a little bit of a meta discussion at the moment. 
So, Nate, you play. Uh, you're you've been helping uh, locally play decks and test, uh, and you. I'm assuming you might have seen some tournament results. Yeah. Um, what's your hot take is going to come out of uh, Jersey? I personally think Jersey is just going to be a mirror of Indy. You, you only have one weekend in between the two. And a lot of stores are like Heroes Inc. and doing pre-releases during that time. So not as many people are there retooling their decks or anything like that. So they'll look and see, okay, what did well in Indy? All right, I'll run that. I mean, that's a fair point. Um, there is comfort in, you know, some of those meta picks. Obviously, after Indy the or after Jersey, the meta will like kind of flip-flop or yeah. completely be put on its head with the new cards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you're going to still see like the, the main three you're going to see, um, well, actually like the main five, probably you'll still see your muse out there. You'll still see your Arceus variants, whimsicots, uh, Urshfus, things like that. Um, now I do think that potentially, um, uh, we might see a little bit of grass, um, see a little bit more play because Arceus dark is such a big, um, force in the meta right now um and it doesn't have to worry about weakness typically um so nobody's running fire for the most part right right so nobody's running fire and and most of the dark relevant pokemon are uh weak to grass so you might see an uptick in grass decks um what those look like i'm not 100 sure but that's kind of my hot take is you might see an uptick on a new deck like that my boy delmize yeah, Delmize is a is a good deck. Um, it it definitely has some versatility. With it, it's about to get better, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I think the only shuffle um you might see is uh, with the ad with the high result from um, Isaiah's Beedrill focus. The B boys. The B boys. Um, not that he won, uh, but the the focus on that special energy hate i think i think you might see a little bit more of the triangle shift towards decks that don't have the heavy beedrill weakness um so uh maybe like the the urshifu dark right might be a little bit more prevalent because as much as like yeah urshifu does do special energy he usually doesn't have it on him to get when he gets yeah attacked. he'll put a basic then um uses the special um energy go on yeah the 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 special goes on and then is discarded that turn so that might be a little bit more prevalent um i think we'll start to creep up in plays rather than when and some other things might go down uh, yeah, yeah that's a very fair point um special energy hate has been a thing um not only just uh whimsic or i'm sorry um uh, Beedrill, but Whimsicott is a thing. There's other cards, too, that has yeah. special energy hate. Whimsicott um, won the special event in right. Bilbao the same weekend. As yeah, it. both both decks did pretty well with that kind of hate. Um, but if you were going to New Jersey this weekend, what would be um, your guys' um, take, and what would you be bringing this weekend or next weekend, I guess? I, I would probably just run Mew Genesec, maybe a little bit of a twist, put a Flannery or two in there so I don't get screwed by Pat to the peak right um it's also kind of more special energy hate right it is definitely that 
Um, Chuck, what about you? What would you be bringing? I know right. last weekend at uh, Indianapolis, you brought the the Malamar, uh, Rapid Strike Malamar, but would that still be your take? Uh, I would not. I'm, well, I'm not off of Rapid Strike being a really good deck. I I really think single prizes have, like, they could be really, really well, like, do really well in this meta. But I just don't see one that can take off. Um, I thought Rapid Strike would be the best best attempt. I think it's good, but um, I find it just struggles with Arceus a little bit too much. Right. Um, the prize trade isn't optimal, and Arceus can really punish you if you can't KO it more than uh, some of the other decks. Right. Um, so I would probably be switching to something... Um, Urshifu related at the moment. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Urshi Dark. Um, I would be looking at Urshi Grass because, like you said, um, I think Grass has a moment to shine. But so I would probably be looking at something more experimental at this point because um, it's kind of in that like we know it's there. So I would be trying to build something to counter it. Right. And, and for me, I, I I am going and. I think I'm going to stick with a very similar list. Um, basically, uh, Arceus Bird Box. Um, I, I was on the just straight Arceus Intellion with the, with the high uh, Sharon's Care and you know looping that kind of thing. Um, but that that deck doesn't have as much um, unfair cards when it comes to you know matchup spreads. Um, but with having Mew out there, with other Urshifu's out there. A lot of special energy hate. Um, also, the deck does well against that, especially if you can get set up early. Um, it just gives you a lot of options for Oko's for going around that and just having consistency. So I know it may be a little slower than Mew, uh, but it still has a pretty favorable Mew matchup um, with the prize trade-offs. It has a pretty good matchup against Arceus variants, um, especially if you can get those weakness guys out there. Um, and even Urshifu out there because, you, you know, um, you, you want to hit for Psychic as well um, to take take a three-prizer out uh, if you can like, get a boss uh, or even just kind of stall him out. So I think a Bird Box is still kind of where I'm leaning towards. Um, obviously, I've been dabbling in a little bit of Mew too because uh, it, it it is pretty consistent, like we said. Um, it, it can just do Mew things and get you pretty far. Um, so all good plays, I think. Yeah, I forgot. I'm, I was wrong. I would be playing Rayquaza. It's my <laughs> second regional. I said I would win a regional with Rayquaza, so it, it would be it would be Rayquaza. It would be Rayquaza. So you have what? You're going to Milwaukee, uh, so yeah. you better win Milwaukee to win that bet, right? Yes, I'm going to Milwaukee, the last regional before NAIC, and then I will win that one with Rayquaza in my deck, even if it's just card 58 and 9. Right. Or 59 and 60. Okay, so with, with that saying, we all kind of gave us what we we're going to bring. What is going to win? Like you only get one choice. What uh, we'll start with Nate. What deck archetype is going to win New Jersey? Some kind of dark Arceus. That's fair. That's just what my gut's telling me. You're, you're putting your money on me then, right? <laughs> Let's hope so. I, I'm going to stick with the uh, dark Arceus or, or, or a bird box option. It doesn't necessarily have to have like, super uh prevalent as far as like dark um but it has you know multiple different weakness coverages um and having that arceus out there i, I think that just probably wins uh i i'm gonna go out on a limb 
and I'm gonna say Whimsicott does it again. I knew that was coming. I'm gonna, yeah. I mean, I have, it's I viable. Have, it's viable, and I just I, knew it was coming. A, right. I have a sinking suspicion. Like I just feel like it's gonna find a way to do it again, uh, and do really well, and then this time take the cake in the regional, not not just a special event. Um, I mean, I I've I've been. I haven't put my back like all my all backing in Whimsicott because I I like wasn't sure it was going to be that great of a card when it was released, but I was sadly mistaken. So I should have backed it from the beginning. But right, um, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it the seal of approval. On You're gonna give it the chalk seal of approval. Yes, <laughs> let's go. All right, so I mean, I I guess one I guess the kind of drops into. Um, you know, playing and collecting here, but we kind of touched on it earlier with playing max rarity versus mid rarity. Um, what are your feelings? Like you roll up to a tournament like this. Are, are you, do you think bringing max rarity um, is a thing that you would want to do? Um, or do you think it's kind of just a kind of a superficial thing where people are like, uh, might look down on down upon it. If you bring max rarity. I think it's a, it could be potentially a good way to get into their head just because they might just be thinking about, you know, why is he bringing these cards, blah, blah, blah. And just all you need is just one misplay right. for it to, to cause. Yeah. So bring max rarity to potentially cause your opponent to misplay. <laughs> because they also may think you're worse than you actually are. They might think, oh, this guy only cares about making everything look good. He doesn't know how to actually play. Right. Yeah, yeah they might think you're uh, worse than you actually are. They might think you're better than you actually are. I I, I think it's it's all a little superficial uh, in the end of the things. But um, whatever I, I, I say, if playing max rarity helps your confidence play your deck, do it. Right. I don't know if it makes my confidence better. I just, you, you know, you get these cards, you spend the money on them or you pull them. You enjoy looking at them, so might as well use them, right? Yeah. Plus, like I said earlier, you could put your mind at ease. Like, okay, I'm losing right now, but oh, I just, I'll, I'll take a minute, appreciate the art on this card. And even if you look at something like an art on the card, maybe something in the background like trigger something in your brain it's like oh i can do that like if a pokemon has a specific item or tool in the background of its picture or something right, like that right. yeah oh, that's a fair point i never even thought about it that way uh, but we definitely like i know with playing on ptcgo a lot i mean you don't even read the cards half the time you just look at them so having a bigger image sometimes can help with that too with just that quick uh trigger in your brain to think you know sequence through uh, yeah. what you have on, on hand yeah, well, I know it, it can also if you if you maximize all your gold items, you're just like I need to see a gold card right now. Right, I need a gold card. Oh, that's the ultra ball I need. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, for me, it was I need to see a rainbow card because I have rainbow supporters. <laughs> right. <baby. laughs> I'm the oddball. I like rainbows. No, that's fine. That's that's completely fine. That you're a collector of rainbows and. You know, that's what brings you joy and i think that's kind of like we, why we wanted nate on to talk about you know collecting because it is really just a matter of what brings you joy um in either pokemon or just collecting in general yep all right uh, does that 
do we have more questions for him or are we, I, we I, about i think we're about out of questions uh before we let you go though nate i first and want to say uh thank you for coming on it is long overdue um yeah, i pr- you appreciate on. you guys having me on oh for sure um but before we let you go do you have any shout outs or plugs um that you want to throw out there um i'm gonna plug sports car junction but my brain is just telling me to do it like i used to do it on my old podcast where it's just a, an ad read right do it <laughs> do it <laughs> all right let's see <laughs> Check out Sports Car Junction, located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. Sports Car Junction is a collector's home away from home. With anything from supplies, singles, packs, or boxes, check out Sports Car Junction. Oh, man. Sports Car Junction. You can start it over. (laughs) Edit out. Edit out. Chuck will edit it out. Go for it. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Sports Car Junction is a collector's home away from home. With anything from supplies, singles, packs, or boxes, Sports Car Junction has everything a collector needs, whether it's in-store or online at sportscarjunction.com. There you go. You nailed it. <laughs> I'm going to cut this out and put it in random things now. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what the post-editing <laughs> post is going to sound like. <laughs> Well, cool. I mean, again, thank you uh, for for coming on, talking some Pokemon with us. Um, and oh, yeah. and and where do we where do we find your podcast? It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Okay, I just we didn't we, we uh, YouTube. We 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 plugged the store. I wanted to make sure we let the people know that they can find right. it on the usual spots for podcasts. Yeah, if you need if you yes. need more Nate in your life, definitely go check them out there. Everyone should um, have more. Nate and if you're in the life. if you exactly if you if you are in the <laughs> Pittsburgh area, definitely check out uh, Sports Car Junction. It's an awesome place to collect and play, and it's a very nice lit and store that is just friendly staff and everything like that. So I love how lit is like one of the qualifications, like. They actually have lighting in there. Right, right. There so, are plenty of uh, LGS for oh, Pokemon or other uh, games oh, yeah. I've played in the past. I thought you said it was dark. lit because it's hopping. There's all it's kinds both. of stuff going it's on now. It's multi-meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Jake is hip with the youth. Right. Card Junction is lit. It is Fam. lit. Check it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to throw that voice line at the end of the commercial. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys on the next one. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) Jesus, Chuck. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, As always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake... Where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Panucks1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy and Ryan at ry for gaming You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokeyPod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We'll see you all next time. See you later. Turtwig's talking the matter. <laughs> Check out Sports Car Junction, located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh. Sports Car Junction is a collector's home away from home. With anything from supplies, singles, packs, or boxes, Sports Car Junction has everything a collector needs, whether it's in store or online at sportscarjunction.com.
Sports Car Junction is lit, fam.